Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com. How strong are you? I ask you that question. How strong are you? How strong are you? And maybe that's not a fair question because we all think we're strong, but we don't really know until we know, do we? Let me ask you this question. Do you, do you think persecution ought to be or it should be expected to be a part of the life of New Covenant, New Testament Christians? Do you? Do you think persecution ought to be a expected part of our life? Because I mean, there are those that seem to preach that it shouldn't be, or at least they don't seem to think. I mean, in their, in their world, in their theology, Christianity is all tulips and roses and daffodils and ice cream and Cadillacs. And, of course, you guys have lived enough life, you know that's not really accurate. But persecution. Should New Testament Christians expect to be persecuted? Let me, let me before I read Psalm 22, let me just read Matthew 10, 16 through 22 and Help get an answer to that. Behold, Jesus said these words, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death. Father, his child, child will rise against parent and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Should New Testament Christians expect to be persecuted? You know, it seems like, 1 Peter 4, 1 puts it this way, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, Arm yourself with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. It seems reasonable to expect that we as Christians ought to expect to be persecuted. But see, that brings me to another question for you all, and that is this. Where is persecution in America? Now, you know, we can talk about people don't like Christians sometimes, and, and, and people will mock Christians sometimes, and, and the media is not always the kindest to Christians, and Hollywood's not always the kindest to Christians. And I mean, we could talk about those things, and, and that's fine. We can call that persecution right up to the point we begin to think about, well, okay, how would you like to be a Christian in Afghanistan today? Because all of a sudden, persecution looks a whole lot different, doesn't it? How would you like to be a Christian in Iran or a Christian in China? I, I just read last week, I, I was reading an article about how the Chinese government is even now in the process of changing the Bible. They've not been able to wipe out Christianity, so they've decided we're just going to reprogram those Christians, and they've begun to change, literally change the stories in the Bible. And the one illustration that was given was, you all know the story of the woman caught in adultery, uh, and the men brought her to Jesus and said, what should we do? And he told him, he said, the first one, or the one who was without sin cast the first stone, and they all walked away, and he looked at her and said, go forth and sin no more. Well, they've changed the story. Now in the story, uh, once all the men leave, Jesus picks up a stone, stones, and he stones her to death. Yeah, that's kind of a big change. Persecution. 
Now listen, I, those of you that, some of you have known me for years, some of you know me for a lot less. I, I, I don't have a lot of respect for preachers who make crisis. Preachers can be like politicians in this. You don't let any good crisis go to waste, right? And if you can't find a good crisis, make one up. I, I don't have a lot of respect for those politicians or those preachers. And so I've always strived, I always strive not to be that guy. And I, I don't like those that push drama and every little thing becomes a major thing. So what I'm going to share this morning and preach this morning, put in that context, okay? Uh, because I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but I... I listened this week to a speech of our president, and there were some things in the speech that concerned me, and I, I want to talk about those, and I want to share those. Before I do that, let me read Psalm 22 to just give you a little background to where this message is going this morning. My God, my God, this is David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I know you all think Jesus said those words, and, and he did, but David said them before Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. This is a man that's in, in really, he's, he's, he's being persecuted. He's in a tough place. God, why have you forsaken me? He goes on in verse 3, though, he's, after he says that, why, why can I find no rest? Yet, despite that, even though, God, I seem to find no rest, he goes on, he says, you're holy. You dwell in the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. And I'm going to talk about that here, here in a little bit. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But, despite that, he uses the word but, despite that, even, th even though you've blessed and met the needs of our forefathers, even though that's true, in, the, in, in their eyes, I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They, they make mouths at me or they insult me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say, sarcastically. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet, even though their mockery happens, he says, Yet, you who are he who took me from the womb, you made me trust you at my mother's breast. Oh, you... On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Where's persecution in America? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, we've been pretty blessed in America. We've not had a lot. Not really. And I listened this week to a message our, our president, President Biden, shared, and there were some things in there that concerned me. I'm going to read them, and I'm going to read a little more context, a little more of the speech than normally I would have to, because another thing I don't have a lot of respect for is the people that pull out a, a, a sentence or a few words and, and, and make it say something it didn't say. I, listen, you all, if you, if you pull enough of my sermons, you can make me say anything. I mean, seriously, that's the scary thing about being on Facebook is they're out there and people do that. I don't want to be the guy that does that. But So let me just read a little bit of the speech and, and share what I'm concerned about. My message, this is what he said, my message to unvaccinated Americans is this. What more is there to wait for? What more do you need to see? We've made vac vaccinations free, safe, and convenient. The vaccine is FDA approved. Over 200 million Americans have gotten at least one shot. We've been patient. This is, part, this, this is what concerns me. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. So please do the right thing which means do what I think is the right thing. But don't just take it from me. Listen to the voices of un unvaccinated Americans who are lying in hospital beds, 
taking their final breath, saying, if only I had gotten vaccinated, if only. It's a tragedy. Please don't let it become yours. So, so let, me, let me stop right here and talk for a minute because you, you, you need to hear all of this. First of all, I'm not opposed to vaccines. I'm not against vaccines. I'm not against the COVID vaccine. I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you, I've had the COVID vaccine. I made the choice. Initially, I wasn't going to get it. It wasn't something I thought I needed. I listened to the stories. Uh, I, I talked with my doctor eventually. I, I listened to the stories, and most people that got it, they seemed to get the flu symptoms, but it never got any more serious than that, and I wasn't going to get it. And, and, and somewhere in there, I talked with my doctor, and, and I began to hear the stories of the people on ventilators and the people getting what's called long-haul COVID. And, and my opinion changed. And that was my opinion for me, not my opinion for you. That was my opinion for me initially and, and later on. And I ended up getting the vaccine because in my world, the weight of not getting the vaccine was more severe than getting the, the risk of getting the vaccine. And that was the way I chose. And, that, and that's fine. So I'm not against vaccine. To me, it makes sense. And if you haven't got it and you feel differently, that's fine. I love you anyway. And you, I hope you still love me when this is all said and done. But that's my choice. And where I struggle and, and where I'm going with this message and we're talking about persecution is this. When the president of the United States makes a statement like, we've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. Okay, you're the president of the United States. You're not my dad. And, 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 and here's the thing. We, I mean, I could, we could talk about vaccines and I could argue both sides of it. And, and this message isn't about vaccines. I just want it to be on the record so that when somebody pulls out the clip, I can go back and say, no, wait a minute, give them the whole thing, right? I'm okay with vaccines. I'm pro-vaccines even. But what happens when the patience wears thin, not just on a vaccine, but the patience wears thin on morality, social issues, right and wrong, and righteousness and unrighteousness? Well, I'll just give you a couple of examples. Um, as a Christian... I, and I suspect most of you, believe Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. That's something I believe pretty strongly. I'm not going to compromise on. I'm not going to walk away from. I'm not going to change. What happens when the President of the United States decides, we've been patient, but you're hurting society, you're being a hate monger, we're not going to tolerate it anymore. It's not for the President of the United States to say, I'm not patient. What about Genesis 2.24 that I, I believe, and I suspect you all do too, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. I happen to believe in marriage between a man and a woman. You see, I, I, I bring this up this morning not to make a crisis where there isn't one, but to say we need to be aware we've been blessed in America and that we've not been persecuted. And it may be that we're stepping into a place in our culture, in our day, our age, our time, our society, where we may have to decide how strong am I really? What do I really believe? How deep do my roots really go? What is it that I'm going to stand on? What hill am I willing to live for and maybe even die on? Now, that right there might be, I pray it is, an extreme. I hope we don't become Afghanistan, because in Afghanistan, what hill will you die on as a Christian is a real thing. In Iran, it's a real thing. In China, it's a real thing. In America, no, and, and by the grace of God, it never will be a real thing. But what are you willing to stand on? He goes on and he says this, let me be blunt. My plan also takes on elected officials and states that are undermining you 
and these life-saving actions. Right now, local school officials are trying to keep safe children safe in, pandem in a pandemic while their governors pick a fight with them and even threaten their salaries or their jobs. If they will not help, if those governors won't help us beat the pandemic, I'll use my power as president to get them out of the way. Legal action has already begun. It is not the responsibility and the job of the President of the United States to take down governors right. who disagree with him. Right. And, and if we're willing to step to a place where that is acceptable and that is encouraged and that is applauded, what happens when he decides to take a stand against those who live and believe in righteousness? My job as president is to protect all Americans, so tonight I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employees with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure that their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. Now, now I, I, those of you that have been around a while, you'll, 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 you'll get this, and, and I hope you all do. It is a strong step towards saying you will either capitulate to the way I see the world and the way I think things ought to be, or you will not have the right to work. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Have you read the book of Revelation? I said, Pastor Bear, are you saying the vaccine's the mark of the beast? I am not, capital N, capital O, capital T, saying the vaccine is the mark of the beast. Somebody can even say amen to that. Amen. Thank you. It is not. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you that we see, I can see in that when, when our government has the power to say, I will determine who can work and who won't, that's scary. That's a problem. That's, that's a sign of a time. And, and I'm not, so I said this first service, I'll say it this service too, although this is, we've got 10 million jobs open in America right now, 8 million unemployed people. If every one of the 8 million unemployed people took a job, that would still leave us with 2 million unemployed people in, or unfilled jobs in America. Probably not a good time to say to people, unless you do it my way, you can't work. And if you really want me to meddle for a second, the idea that being unvaccinated and bringing an unvaccinated person into a workplace is going to endanger those that are vaccinated seems completely illogical to me because if you're vaccinated, where's the risk? So the only person at risk in that workplace is the unvaccinated person that's in that workplace who's at risk from another unvaccinated work person in that workplace who both have chosen to be unvaccinated. And that's assuming they don't wear masks and assuming they don't follow decent protocols and assuming they don't keep six feet apart and assuming they show up at work with a, a fever and COVID. So I, that seems a little crazy. And maybe, maybe sometimes I'll stop right there. Maybe I'll just stop right there. You're good. I know. A distinct minority of Americans supported by a distinct minority of elected officials are keeping us from turning the corner. <clears throat> Listen to me. You all know this, right? You are now a minority. If you're a Christian in this room, you're a minority. 
a distinct minority of Americans supported by a distinct minority of elected officials are keeping us from turning the corner. We cannot not allow these actions to stand in the way of a large majority of Americans who have done their part and want to get back to their life as normal. And when the government comes to you and says, you are a minority, you do not have the right to keep America from being what we the majority want it to be, you're going to have to change your beliefs or suffer the consequences that seems to be a problem to me. And lastly, he says this, this is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you, the people you work with, the people you care about, the people you love. It is about freedom and personal choice. We still have a First Amendment. It's still a real thing. It still matters. And the very same people that have told us for 50 years that it's your body, your right to choose, it's your body, your right to decide whether you can terminate the life of an unborn baby or not, are the same people that are now telling us it's your body, but you don't have, to have, you don't have the right to decide whether or not you get vaccinated. Does that seem hypocritical to anybody else? But yet that's where we're at. And this is, this, is the, the, this is the battle going on for the soul of our nation right now because Texas just passed a law and it, which will limit the ability to have an abortion once a baby has a heartbeat, which is about six weeks is my understanding. And, I, and, and there's fear on the left, liberal left that we're going to see Roe versus Wade turned over. And, and it's, it's, it's a stain on America that has taken us 50 years to get to the place where we can actually say that it's wrong, it's illegal for anybody to take the life of an unborn baby, an innocent unborn baby. But I promise you that if it is passed, if, it, if, if Roe versus Wade would happen to be overturned, I promise you the same people that are telling you, I can dictate that you get a vaccine, will be telling you, oh no, 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 under these circumstances, your body, your choice. The hypocrisy is deep. So Pastor Barry, that, you're being a little extreme. That, that's vaccine, that's nothing else. James Madison University. Under fire for pushing controversial rhetoric as part of its freshman orientation. You're a freshman going to James Madison Universi University, you, you received training. This is the training you received. The PowerPoint presentation and accompanying video addressed topics like social justice. I'm fine with social justice. Identity, power, privilege. Those, if done right, aren't bad things to, to talk about. And labeled, but they labeled any person who fits the parameters of white, male, straight, and Christian as oppressors. Did you catch that? White, straight, male, and Christian, you're an oppressor. Now listen to me, when we come to the place to where our institutions of higher learning, our government, our media, our social media, Hollywood, are setting Christians up to be oppressors, we're stepping into a place, a realm, where perhaps for the first time American, American Christians may have to decide, how strong am I? What am I going to do when they come to me and say, you're going to use these pronouns, you're going to speak this way, you're going to believe this, you're going to, tr you're going to live this way, you're going, to, you're going to clean up your social media and get rid of that stuff, or you're not going to have the ability to work a job. What are you going to do? David cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. And then he goes on and he says that you are holy, 
living in the praises of Israel. And he, ha- and, 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 he, and, he, and he says this. He says, In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. If you they trusted and were not put to sh- it, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. Let me tell you what we can do. Let me tell you what we need to do as Christians. We need to remember how it was and in what way this nation was formed. We need to remember the hand of God that has been a part of this nation for the last 200 years. We need to remember the hand of God and the hand of providence that allowed this nation to become a nation during the Revolutionary War, throughout the Civil War, on into World War II, and we can carry that on even into the present day. We need to remember the hand of God has brought us to the place that we are. Say, Pastor Barry, what do you mean? In the Revolutionary War, George Washington, he wrote in 1778, the hand of providence has been so conspicuous in all of this that he must be worse than an infidel that lacks faith and more than wicked that has not gratitude enough to acknowledge his obligations. God brought us to where we are. See, America's headed down paths of, 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 of immorality in the past. We've headed down paths of, of, of moving away from God in the past, and God, in His grace, has, has more than once brought America back through the, the Great Awakening, through revivals across this nation, and God can do it again Amen. if we'll allow Him. If we'll allow Him. We need to remember the greatness of our God, and we need to remember what it was that has made... I know, listen to me, I know Donald Trump believes, President Trump believed he was going to make America great. And I, and I know that President Biden believes he's going to rebuild America better. But I'm going to tell you the truth this morning, as, as the pastor and the man of God, God made America great, not Donald Trump. Yeah. And, and God is the one who will build America back better, not Joe Biden. You understand what I'm saying this morning? And we need to keep our eyes and our minds and our hearts upon what it was that made America great and the hand of God in that. One historian writes about Abraham Lincoln. As the Civil War dragged on, a searching Lincoln wrote to himself, I'm almost ready to say this is probably true, that God wills this contest, this war, and wills that it shall not end yet. But by the end of the war... By the end of the war, his private reflection had become a public confession that a living God now wills to remove slavery and that he gives to both North and South this terrible war as woe due to those by whom the offense came. As we stepped into the Civil War, as, as, as Union and Confederate troops fought and, 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 and the war moved closer and closer to, to, uh, to Washington, D.C., September 1862 began and Union military success was nowhere to be found. In July, a massive Union army had been driven back from Richmond, the, the Confederate capital, and at the end of August, another Union army was crushed in a demoralizing loss just a few miles outside of Washington, D.C. If that wasn't enough trouble, Confederate General Robert Lee, fresh from his victories, invaded Maryland and threatening to turn the slaveholding state against the Union, cut off the federal capital from the rest of the north and win Europe recognition of the Confederacy. In the midst of that moment, in the midst when, when, when the Confederate armies were literally within eyesight of Washington, D.C., amidst that panic, Lincoln, President Lincoln received a delegation of pastors, ministers from his home state of Illinois, and they urged him to issue a proclamation emancipating the slaves. Certain there could be no deliverance from divine judgment till slavery ceases in the land. And Lincoln assured them it was his earnest desire to know the will of providence in this matter. 
And he promised, if I can learn what it is, I will do it. But how to learn was the difficulty. These, this is what he said. These are not the days of miracles. Lincoln said that. These are not the days of miracles. And I suppose that I am not to expect a direct revelation. But that same afternoon, that same afternoon, General McClellan received a peculiar paper that had worked its way up the Union chain of command. Earlier in the morning, a corporal had found three cigars lying on the ground wrapped in a paper labeled Special Order Number 191. It was the Confederates' detailed battle plans. Have you guys heard this story? I had never heard this story before. It was, it was the Confederates' detailed battle plans. Known to history as the Lost Orders, historian James McPherson called it a million-to-one discovery. Alerted to his enemy's plans, the habitually cautious McClellan uncharacteristically seized the initiative at, at Antietam, forcing Lee and the Confederate Army to retreat. Now catch this, get this. Five days later, on September 22, 1862, Lincoln called his cabinet to announce his resolve to issue the Emancipation Proclamation. He described it as keeping a promise to myself and hesitating a little, he went on to say, and to my maker. Two members of the cabinet recorded his explanation. Sometime in the uncertain days leading up to the Battle of Antietam, Lincoln had made a vow, a covenant, that if the Confederate army should be driven out of Maryland, he would issue the proclamation, and they were driven out because somebody found the battle orders of the Confederacy laying on the ground, wrapped around three cigars, and managed to pick them up, a private picked them up, find them, and those of you in the army will know the miracle of this, managed to find them, and not only find them, but pass them up the chain of command to get them to the head general in time to direct him to go into battle and to drive the Confederates out of Maryland. If that isn't a miracle in the hand of God, I don't know what is. You see, if we as Christians face persecution, and it may be that we do, if we have come to the place where we have to make a stand, will I stand up on the Word of God in righteousness or a job or career path or this choice or that choice or being persecuted? We may have to put our feet down and say, I will stand with the Lord. How strong are you? How strong are you? David describes it this way when he talks about how he was being treated. He says, in their eyes, I'm a worm and not a man. Scorned by mankind and despised by the people, all who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They, 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 they make fun of me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. And Christian, listen to me. This morning what I'd say to you is maybe we need to continue to believe in the Lord, even as they do mock us and call us fools and narrow-minded and bigots and hate-mongers and so on and so forth. How strong are you? We end with this. Verse 11, he says this. He says, he cries out to God, God, be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there's none to help. Right now we have brothers and sisters in Afghanistan that have been executed and more that will be. We have now and have had for years brothers and sisters in Iran and China that have been and will be executed. I pray and I trust that's not in our future. 
but I think it's right to say and fair to say and reasonable to say persecution quite likely is. Going to get worse, not better. And I ask you again, where, where I began this, how strong are you? Matthew chapter 10 tells the story of the seeds, the sower and the seeds, and he talks about throwing the seeds out and some hit along the path and some hit hard, stony soil. And these are the ones that receive the gospel in the, in the moment and they, they, they receive it with joy, but then it says tribulation and persecution come and because they have no root in themselves, they wither and die. How strong are you? Listen, I, I love you guys. Some of you are just plain mean. Some of you just plain stubborn. Some of you just plain bullheaded. And you wouldn't get, you'd rather die than give in. God bless you. This world needs people just like you. And probably you will stand strong no matter what. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter who was coming at you about what. You would stand strong just because that's what you do. That's who you are. But most people aren't that way. Most people need roots that go down deep and they better know what they believe and why they it better go deep. And I'm asking you this morning, how strong are you? How deep do your roots go? How deep into the word of God? How deep into a relationship with God? How deep into your walk and your time with God? How strong are you? Because I read it at the beginning, those who persevere to the end shall be saved. And what a tragedy, what a tragedy, what a tragedy to start serving Jesus with joy and when persecution comes because the stone, the heart is hard to fall away. I don't want that to happen to anybody. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask you to do this this morning. If you would, bow your heads right where you're at. Close your eyes if you're on our feed. Please just feel free to do the same there. And I'm going to ask you this question this morning, and I, I, I'm going to pray over you if you will allow me to here in a moment. Is there anybody here who would say, Pastor Barry, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm not sure how strong I am. Pastor Barry, I don't think the roots go nearly as deep as they need to if I'm going to survive and I'm going to thrive and I'm going to make it. And I, I, I need to start letting the roots go deeper. If that's you, would you put your hand up and let me just allow me to pray for you right where you're at. I see some hands. My wife yesterday had me go out and water her plants on the front porch. Another one of those things she does, I don't. She said, you got to let the water get deep. That brings the roots down deep. If you want your roots to go deep, then you better make sure you're watering deep. Worship, prayer, time with God, time in the Word of God. How strong are you? Father, I pray right now over each and every man and woman in this room, on this feed. Pray for those that slipped their hands up and those that should have. God, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to take the truth of this message this morning and use it, God, as a catalyst. Use it, God, to strengthen them, to help them to prepare, to spend more time with you, to grow stronger in you. And Lord, my prayer is this, Lord, if, if and as persecution comes our way, as Paul prayed, God, help us to be found worthy. 
Help us to be found worthy, Lord, to stand right on righteousness and stand strong. Lord, our trust is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.